You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. And it's not just any edition of the Star Seminar, it's the one where we kick off a new semester. Oh, look at all your shining faces, boys and girls. <laughs> You've got freshly printed syllabi sitting there in front of you on your desks, and you're anticipating this journey we're all going to go on, this journey of learning. This journey will be led by me, Professor Rabble Rouser, and my colleague, Professor Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I am doing good. You know, I always love, you know, when you get your, when you get your books, you know, brand new books, and just uh, starting, starting a, new, uh, a new year is always a fun time. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about what, what's, what's fixing to happen. Um, but you know, I, something weird, it's like I was driving in this morning and I listened to the radio and stuff and I heard that, I heard this remix of a song with, it's, it's, uh, the Elton John song, Tiny Dancer. Um, but it was Britney Spears. She's, mm. I guess she's going to have three songs of, they're all Elton John song. Um, and the remixes and it was, oh my good grabs. It was just dreadful. It's, it's like club music and, I mean, I guess it would sound okay in a club, but it was just like, why is this happening? It was just, it was just really terrible. Just, I mean, just ruining an Elton John song. So I was thinking in the car, it's like, well, you know, when's the last time, like, I really enjoyed one of those kind of remakes, remix type songs with a new artist, but then they bring in the, the original artist with them. And I was going to ask you, what, what, what's your favorite, like, kind of redone duo song? That's no, funny. It's funny that you ask. I um, so I, I I lived in California for a long time, and before I moved out here to the East Coast, I lived in the Bay Area. And the Bay Area has a really interesting kind of like DJ culture. And I knew a couple dudes who were in that culture, and, and um, you know, used to I used to go to with them to their gigs and stuff sometimes. And um, I'm you know, I'm not a music head uh, particularly, but um, I just really thought that some of the stuff they were doing was really interesting because they were doing a lot of really interesting mashups. So they were doing a lot of electronic stuff and mashups. There's a couple of dudes um, that did, did did mashups that I just thought were really, really cool. And I think that uh, for those of you who don't know what a mashup is, it's when you take the vocal track from one song and like the music track from another song and you overlay them. And, and ideally what happens is it opens up new understandings of both songs, really. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a different, there's a different, uh, if there's a different musical track under a song, it can sort of change the change our understanding of the song, change the way we we feel about the song. So there's a couple that I, I wanted to share with you because I just, they're still they're still favorites. You know, years years later, 
One is um, it's a mashup of Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart and Mi- Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak On. It's <laughs> called Love Will Freak Us. Oh, and it is, it's, so, and it's so interesting because her, her like driving lyrics um, sort of energize what, is, what has always you know, been in its original state, one of the saddest and most beautiful songs I know. Uh, and it's a really interesting juxtaposition, but actually both, both of them sort of inform the other. And the other one that I think is really, really cool is a mashup of Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama and Nellie's Country Grammar. And so it's called, it's called Sweet Home Country Grammar. And it's it, uh, totally, uh, I think, in a really, really good way, recuperates the, the Leonard Skinner original. Um, and those lyrics fit it perfectly. It's, it's unbelievably good. And so um, I, I, I just, when someone, and someone can hear those two songs and know that like if they put parts of them together, it'll, it'll make something newer and different, but also in some way better than the original. I, I just, I'm really impressed by that. Yeah. I'm already taking notes, man. I got this. I'm going to have to go check that out. Cause that sounds actually very entertaining. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I like, I don't really have a favorite, but I, I, I do like it when you see those combos. Um, it's always nice, especially when the original artist like appears and there's a like big, you know, like, you know, like the Elton John and the, and George Michael, you know, the don't let the sun go down on me. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. that. And, and I, another one too, I remember like, I think it was like an MTV music awards, but it was like, you know, P Diddy. I think that was his name at the time, but he did the, the, um, Sting song, the police song, you know, um, mm-hmm. every breath you take. And then when Sting kind of, you know, wrote, came from the, wrote, you know, elevated from, into the stage that, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. And then to hear him sing with, with that, uh, I, I mean, I like, I like songs. I like when they do stuff like that, but I tell you what, they really, that was not, did not... With, with one notable exception to, from this morning, apparently. Yeah. So let's just, let's hope things get better for, you know, that the other ones are a little better, but, um, Speaking of getting better, our 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 days are going to get better, Rabs, because we got a football game coming on. But what do we got coming on today's show? Well, actually, so, so they're kicking off the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so what we decided to do was invite uh, one of our favorite uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, reporters, a guy uh, who who's been covering them on multiple platforms. It's our good friend James Yarko, and so he's going to come on and, and talk about. Um, where the Buccaneers have been and what he expects to see on Sunday night. That's fantastic. We're going to give him a pop quiz. Let's see how he does in the, you know, week one of this uh, of our new format. So, all right. Bef- before we before we do though, I have one really important question for you, my friend. Oh, great! It's about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms. Oh, okay. Are you a, cre- are you a creamsicle guy or are you an orange and pewter guy? Oh my goodness, Rab. See, the thing is, I just love variety. So, I mean, and I, I really, I also really am partial to like when I first started following football, like I'll go back and pick my favorite, like evolution of helmets. I'm like, nope, that's the one. And then it's usually the one when I started watching football. So, so, I mean, I guess I got a, there's a place in my heart for the creamsicle. (laughs) I mean, I'm never going to forget that 38 to nothing game, you know, when the Cowboys dismantled them, you know, you know, in the early eighties. And uh, so, but I don't know. At the same time, that's it's it's. I don't know. I I don't know if I'd be a fan if it was my team. I, I think I would probably lean toward the the pewter, um, the newer one. So I guess that's. I don't know if I gave you an answer. I, I felt like I was a little wishy washy there, but um, yeah, those are my words. 
I, I, I don't disagree. I think the pewter is tougher, you know, um, but I, I, I love the buccaneer insignia on the old helmet, the swashbuckling dude with a sword in his mouth. I just think it's, it's just, it's just like of, of an era and it's, it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic. But, it, you know, I, I do love thinking about those old buccaneer teams, most of whom were historically inept in, the, in those, in those, um, those lovely creamsicle uniforms. But I'll tell you what, speaking of Buccaneers, let's bring James on and have him talk more about this year's edition of the Tampa Bay Football Club. All right, class, we promised you guys an expert guest lecturer, and we have delivered. I am proud to share with you the great James Yarko, who is not only a deputy editor at Bucks Nation, one of SB Nation's many, many websites, but also a co-host at Locked on Bucks. And there is nobody who's better positioned to share his wealth of information about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than this fine gentleman. James, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for the uh, the kind introduction. Excited to get the NFL season kicked off, and uh, let's let's have ourselves a little fun. It's like deja vu. Didn't we do this week one last year? It feels like yeah, we did. We sure did. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys and who who's been your opening uh, game opponent most years, but for years and years and years it was the Cowboys and Giants, mm-hmm. and uh, it just got to be so so wearisome and tedious. Every year we'd see them see them again. So I hope. I mean, this is it was a good game last year. I hope it's another good game, but I hope. Hope it doesn't continue because I really do like the variety of starting the starting the year off against somebody uh, different every year. Um, but before we talk about uh, you know what's going to happen uh, on Sunday, I want to just t- kind of take a quick still step back. It's been a, a very interesting off season in Tampa Bay, at least for those of us who have been observing from afar. So we'd love for you to tell us, like, for, you know, from an insider's point of view, what's been going on with your Bucks since their heartbreaking playoff loss to the Rams and. I guess one of the things I'm wondering is how is this squad different than the one that won a Lombardi just a couple of years ago? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you know, you had the announcement that Tom Brady was going to retire and then you had Tom Brady's announcement that he was retiring. And then 40 days later, all of a sudden he's back. And in that span, you had the speculation that Carlton Davis was going to get a huge payday. Instead, he takes a team-friendly deal to return to the Bucks. Leonard Fournette signs the three-year deal. Chris Godwin gets franchise tagged again, but they allow that allows for them to negotiate. He signs a three-year deal. Then all of a sudden, you, you see Indomitian Sue is gone, and Jason Pierre-Paul is gone. But then you bring in Julio Jones right at the start of training camp. You bring in Russell Gage. Uh, who was going to be the third wide receiver. Now it's kind of a, is it Russell? Is it, is it Julio situation? But you bring in those two guys. Gronk uh, announces his retirement. The Bucks draft two tight ends. Then they bring in uh, Kyle Rudolph. So there's been, there's been quite a bit of changeover, but the core of the team uh, is, is really pretty much the same. Now, you know, the other the other big thing is the interior of the offensive line. You had Ryan Jensen return, but you have Alex Kappa go to the Cincinnati Bengals. You have Ali Marpet unexpectedly retire. You make the trade for Shaq Mason. You draft a, a left guard in Luke Gedeke, and then Ryan Jensen goes down. So now you're looking to a, a second-year player in Robert Hainsey, who didn't play center at Notre Dame. He's got to come in and be the guy. So you have 
kind of the the Tom Brady kryptonite of the interior of the offensive line when he gets rushed up the middle that seems to be what throws off his game and now he has three new guys in front of him instead of an all pro center and all pro left guard and a pro bowl caliber right guard so a lot has changed uh and then yeah if you go all the way back to the team that won the super bowl obviously antonio brown is gone ronald jones is gone he was a big part of that season um you know there's there's been some changes but overall the the buccaneers are still a incredibly talented team and you know you just it's it's the next man up man mentality yeah and i mean you look at this team and it, you know it's easy to to talk about you know, got tom brady and he's got just an assortment of weapons you know they may be different faces this year um but the, you know the the weapons are plentiful there and so you know when you have brady you know you always have that's i mean that's that's a great start to, to any team. And, of course, the Bucks defense, too. I mean, you, you know, I remember them just being so dominant with, with stopping the run. And so, I mean, these are a lot of the, the I guess, the more common things, that, at least for, from us as Cowboy fans that we know. But I want you to tell us something about this Bucks team that maybe some outsiders don't realize. I mean, are there any under-the-radar radar players or some type of hidden strength that the Bucks have? Uh, I, I honestly believe that there is. Now you have, as I mentioned, you no longer have Jason Pierre-Paul. You no longer have Indomic and Sue. Instead, you now have a second-year guy on the edge, an outside linebacker at Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who had four sacks last year. He filled in for JPP when he was injured. I think he's really primed for an impressive season. And then the other one that I think really gets overlooked, and you want to talk about a guy that's kind of under the radar, it was, I don't know if if you guys or if any of your listeners are fantasy footballers fans, those guys that do the fantasy footballers podcast, but they do the insignificant signing of the week. <laughs> and that seems to be the way that the Akeem Hicks signing was treated. Now, Akeem Hicks is a guy who, you know, I watched him at training camp. Uh, the Sunday night football crew, Chris Collinsworth, Mike Tirico, were just there at Bucks practice not too long ago prepping for this game. And even Chris Collinsworth said, this guy, if he stays healthy, is unblockable. So Akeem Hicks figures to be a huge factor in the Buccaneers pass rush. And it may be a situation where, and my co-host David Harrison and I have talked about it on the Locked On Bucks podcast, Vita Vea doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he absolutely impacts every single game. So you have a focus of stopping Vita Vea. Now you have to have a focus of stopping Akeem Hicks as well. Otherwise, he's going to win those one-on-one battles or he's going to free up something for, you know, one of the other players on that defense, you know, in the ability to win a one-on-one or come in untouched. So Akeem Hicks is a guy that really doesn't get talked about on a team just locked and loaded with stars, but he could really emerge as a major, major factor for this Buccaneers defense, both on Sunday and throughout the season. Well, you've actually provided me a really wonderful segue to my next question, but in such a way that I'm already starting to feel a little queasy. Um, so as, as you probably know from, you know, from following the national news, um, likely future Hall of Fame left tackle Tyron Smith is, is out for the year and, and probably for the year. And frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is it for him. He's been, he's been beat up for several years now. And so uh, first round draft pick Tyler Smith, 
uh, is expected to start at left tackle on Sunday night and perhaps even beyond that. And then that means that up and down uh, Connor McGovern is going to take his place at, at left guard. So um, you've sort of already given us a preview, but please tell us more about how you think the Bucks should attack or will attack the left side of the Cowboys offensive line. The thing that's so fun about a Todd Bowles defense is you never know where it's coming from. You you had signings like Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal join this team back to the safety position. And numerous mm-hmm. times on, on my show, I've called Logan Ryan the Swiss Army knife. This is a guy that can line up at outside corner, slot corner. He can blitz from the edges. He can blitz from the safety position. He can drop all the way back and allow Antoine Winfield Jr. to come up and blitz. You have guys on the edge like Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shoyinka, but you also have Anthony Nelson, and you have the return of Carl Nassib, who spent you know some time with the Raiders and is now back with the Buccaneers. His most productive season was 2019 with, with Todd Bowles and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you always have the threat of Devin White or Levante David coming into blitz. So I think what a lot of it is going to be is, number one, just overpowering the left side. But one would tend to believe that the Cowboys are going to try to compensate for that somehow, some way, whether it's adding an extra tight end to the, to the end of the line to give some help, or if you're going to have Zeke come up and, and pick up the, the blitzer, or Tony Pollard come up and pick up the blitzer, which is where the pressure is going to come from the right side. They're going to expect it on the left. Todd Bowles is going to show it coming from the left. Then all of a sudden you are going to get somebody screaming off the edge like Joe Tryon, Shrinka, Antoine Winfield Jr., even Sean Murphy Bunting, who has had a lot of success blitzing from the slot corner position. And you're going to have pressure coming from the other side because of any potential overcompensation to try to protect that left side. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really interesting game of chess to see how Todd Bowles attacks this, but Again, you know, find someone that loves you the way Todd Bowles loves to collect safeties, and each of the safeties on this roster has a role, and they're all so versatile that you just really never know what it is that they are about to do, and they will show you and make you think you know what they're about to do, and all of a sudden the roles are reversed at the snap, and you just never know where that pressure is coming from. Yeah, that's that's very alarming to hear, actually, James. Um, I, I'm, I mean, and Ra- Rab's, you know, knows this all too well. Is that I'm very concerned about about our rookie left tackle, and it, you know, it, also too with McGovern too. I mean, you just don't got a lot of experience there, and if if you're asking these guys to to be sharp in their mental processing and you know be, be able to pick this stuff up, it just, I mean, it sets the stage for what could be a nightmare um, for the Cowboys' offensive line. So. So that's very scary, um, but I wanted to kind of flip things a little bit, and I want you to kind of give us a little insight on something that you know that Cowboy fans would love to hear. It's some, you know an area that maybe that the Cowboys can exploit. So give us a little uh, insight to some of the weaknesses or what you know some vulnerabilities with with the Bucks. Yeah, as as I mentioned, of course, the entire interior of the line is now different, and that could create some problems. Now, I will say, Shaq Mason is a proven commodity in the NFL. He has been a blocker for Tom Brady in the past. And Robert Hainsey has been more than impressive leading up to his first start in a regular season game at at the center position. My biggest concern 
is just like yours, the left side of the line. Now, Donovan Smith is probably one of the most hated players by Buccaneers fans Hmm. because let's face it, he's had his struggles in the past, but over the course of the last two years, he has done his job very, very well. The question is, was he doing it as well as he was because they moved Ali Marpet over to that left guard position and, you know, stabilized the left side of that line, not leaving Donovan out there on an Island. So often my biggest concern now is you have Aaron Stinney, who was a starter in the Super Bowl because of an injury to Alex Kappa. Now you have Aaron Stinney out for the year because of an injury that he suffered. I have not been impressed by Luke Gedeke by any stretch of the imagination. I think he has the tools to be a, a average to above average guard in the NFL, but I have not seen it yet. And then you have Nick Leverett, who's also the backup center there as, as part of the depth. And, you know, both of these guys ended up suffering injuries uh, in the third preseason game against the Indianapolis Colts. Now, neither, neither injury was serious and both will be available to play in week one, but I'm incredibly concerned about the amount of pressure that Dallas will be able to create and and really force Luke Gedeke, who's going to be the starter to have a welcome to the NFL moment and, and land Tom Brady flat on his butt. So that's going to be the biggest vulnerability. And again, you have a, a rookie tight end and Co-Keefe, who is an incredibly accomplished blocker. So much like what I would expect the Cowboys to do, I expect the Buccaneers to bring in Keefe, to bring in Kyle Rudolph or, or Kate Otten, any of those guys, to help with the blocking along the left side. You have Rashad White, the rookie running back, who is not scared of anything. This guy gets his nose in there and picks up every blitz that he can. He is not afraid of that contact. He's not afraid to get in the way. So I expect a lot of help on the left side of that line. Otherwise the Cowboys are going to feast just about as much as the, uh, the Buccaneers defense will with those weaknesses. You know, you were talking earlier, James, about um, the fact that Todd Bowles defense is, uh, you know, predicated on deception and there's guys coming from everywhere and, and there's a good bunch of guys going to sugar and then not blitz and things like that. And that that'll be really hard to kind of pick up, especially for a couple of young guys. And I would actually expect that, um, that Dan Quinn will be doing something very similar. Dan Quinn, of course, someone you're really familiar with from his time in Atlanta has been, you know, division rival. You saw him a couple of times a year for probably more years than you really cared to. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that the fact that the, the Cowboys acquired Anthony Barr to play alongside Micah Parsons means you're going to have a couple linebackers are doing that. We, too, have actually got a bunch of uh, safeties in, uh, onto the roster in the last couple of years with a really interesting variety of skill sets, the ability to, to make plays at all three levels. Not all of them can do all everything, but each of them can do one or two things really well. So it's a really inter- it's going to be a really interesting kind of miss, uh, mix and match kind of game on on defense, I think, this year. Um and so I, I think that I think that you know you're right. There's going to be a lot of uh, of sort of interesting games along the front there to to sort of test these new guys and see how cohesive they are. Which leads us to to the next question. It's almost like you've done this before. You provided segues both times for me. <laughs> um, and that, and that we, we, you know, we sort of have to talk about Tom Brady. I mean, if you want to comment on his in his absence in training camp, you can. I honestly don't really care that much about that. But I am, I am sort of interested in 
um, and just sort of where he is as a, as a player. I know he had a, you know, a huge year last year, but the year I watched him more, most closely was the Super Bowl year. And my feeling was that he was not the same player he had been. He was a, good, a, a very good quarterback, had a great playoff, but that, that team was carried by the defense. There was a bunch of young defensive guys who just – came together and play and played incredibly well throughout that playoff run. He, you know, he wasn't by no means, was he bad? They didn't exactly carry him, but he wasn't um, the same Tom Brady that they, I, I, you know, I'd seen in, in earlier years in, in New England, et cetera. So I guess my question is who is Tom Brady now, now that he's 45 and is this the year he falls off or does he have another Super Bowl run in him? Um, I'll say this, the, the Super Bowl season, Brady and the offense really carried the team until the playoffs. And that seems right. to be when, when the defense really got it together and Devin white played out of his mind. Unbelievable. Um, yes. Yeah. He was absolutely incredible. Tom Brady is still surgical. He's still maniacal. Um, during the, the joint practices with the dolphins, yeah, he only participated in one of those two practices, but they were doing special teams drills over on on one of the fields, Tom Brady was on the far field on the opposite side, practicing hail Marys. And this dude <laughs> can still vomit about 50, 60 yards in the air. He still has, still has the arm strength. This isn't going to be as, as much as I uh, respect Drew Brees, as much as I loved Peyton Manning, this is not going to be a season like we saw from those guys at the tail end of their career. When there, there was no, gradual decline it was a steep straight fall off of a cliff you're not going to have that with tom brady this year there have been three times in his historical storied career that he has thrown for over 40 touchdown passes one was that undefeated 2007 season with randy moss when when he threw 50 the other two are his only two years with the tampa bay buccaneers and i expect that trend to continue in fact on my show, I, I did a bold prediction episode and I, I predict 45 touchdown patches to match or yeah, touchdown passes to match his age this season. He still has the IQ. He still has the arm. He still has the decision-making. There have been no signs thus far of any kind of drop-off. Now, again, we're talking about a guy that's 45 years old. I'm, 37 and I throw my back out sneezing. So anything can happen. And, and maybe he doesn't make it all the way through the year without that drop off happening very suddenly and very rapidly. But I would say as, as we stand right now and through what I have witnessed myself, um, I would expect the, the same Tom Brady that we've seen the last two seasons that is thrown for, ridiculous amount of yards and, and over 80 touchdowns combined between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with you. And it's funny. Um, it's weird too. So, so I just had my fantasy draft and we have this loyalty clause in our league where if you wear a Jersey of a player, then you get a $2 discount if you select him. So, and I came in ah. with, with my Dak Prescott Jersey, totally expecting, I figured Prescott would probably be good value anyway, because people, you know, they're very stuck on the last thing they remember, and he didn't finish very strong. Um, so right. I was like, and, I, and I, people know Amari's gone, and people know offensive line. So Dak's, Dak's stock, I figure, is low. But strangely enough, the quarterback that seems to get overlooked the most, and this is the third year in a row that I am owning Tom Brady. 
And, you know, part of the reason is for the things that you just said. I mean, this guy's showing no sign of slowing down. And the way that he sees the field, he's, he's one of those players that just maxes out his ability because of how he sees the game and stuff. But, you know, enough about Tom Brady. I, I wanted to ask you, and I want to kind of um, stick with the fantasy a little bit. And and uh, I, I really want to know about these receivers because there's, there's just so many of them. And, I mean, of course, we know... You know, uh, all too well, Mike Evans and, and and Chris Godwin stuff, but like the new guys. So I, I want you to just kind of tell me, give me a sense of like, who do you think's going to be like Brady's other guy? You know, or the number three guy. Do you still see it, Evans, Godwin, and then like who else? Give me a breakdown. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply that's so difficult because I think what you're going to see is once Godwin is all the way back, he is going to be the target guy. Mike Evans is going to be the yardage guy, the touchdown guy uh, as, as he's always been, but there are going to be Russell Gage games. There are going to be Julio Jones games. And the problem that you have from a fantasy aspect is you never know which week it's going to be which guy. It's it's shades of of old Drew Brees, right? When he had like Joe Horn and Marcus Colston, and you just he had all these weapons. Or or with Peyton Manning and, and the Colts, he had Reggie Wayne and, and Marvin Harrison, and I, I can't even remember all all the guys that he's had. But you would have like one receiver go off every week, so. You know Evans and Godwin are going to be your steadies, but there will be gauge games, there will be Julio games, and it's all going to be based up on on the matchup of who they're playing that week. You mm-hmm. know, if if they're in a situation where the slot corner isn't really all that great, it's going to be a Chris Godwin day because they're going to line him up in the slot quite a bit. If it's a uh, a situation where they're playing a defense that's susceptible to the deep ball or you know, the the quick passes, it's going to be a Mike Evans, a Russell Gage game. If they have a weak red zone defense, it's going to be a Julio day. 
Um, if I had to pick between Julio and Russell Gage for my fantasy team, I've, I've been in the same league for over 20 years. This is the first time I've never had a Buccaneer on my roster. Um, and Russell Gage is sitting out there as a free agent and I haven't picked him up yet. Whereas I targeted Julio, uh, in my draft and my dad took him from me two picks beforehand. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I, Julio is, he's healthy. He's legitimately healthy. You heard Tom Brady talk a couple of weeks about how easy it is to have chemistry with a guy like Julio and Russell Gage has missed some time in training camp with an injury. So he might be off to a little bit slower of a start, but when all the dust settles, I think Julio's going to end up with over 600 yards and at least six touchdown receptions this year. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it is going to be, I mean, I think week one last year, it was Antonio Brown game. That was, was, that was his time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and you're right. It's, it's going to be hard to figure out. That's why you take Tom Brady and then don't worry about it. Cause it's, you know, everything exactly. else just takes care of itself. But um, so I'll, I want to move on to another one too, another dilemma. Cause I actually have both of these guys and this, I end up with Zeke because people were just giving up on him and uh, he just turned out to be, I didn't plan to get him, but he just turned out to be great value. And same with Leonard Fournette too. It's like they did forget that he's the the lead guy on this this offense. And but I am a little worried about this week one matchup. And I'm thinking of looking at my bench a little bit, and I'm thinking, do I want to sit one of these guys? So I want you to just tell me in your best non biased, you know, help a colleague out here. Who who would you favor? Like who if you had to sit one of those between Zeke and, and Fournette? I mean, who, who who's taking the bench? If I'm making that decision for my own team, um, I would sit Ezekiel Elliott, and this is why. When these two teams faced off, I do think this is going to be a defensive battle for the most part. And when these two teams faced off last year, Zeke averaged only three yards a carry, and he was outproduced overall by Tony Pollard. I would I would take a flyer on Pollard this week just because of the dynamic playmaking that he he brings in the passing game. Whereas Leonard Fournette, the the number two back behind him is Rashad white. And again, he's a rookie. He can be dynamic, but Leonard Fournette is the first, second, third goal line back. He is the guy. And when the season started last year, there was still kind of that balance between Fournette and Ronald Jones before Leonard just straight up took over that job. So Leonard Fournette, I I feel, is going to get more opportunity on Sunday, whereas Zeke, even if he does get the opportunity, he he probably isn't going to perform overly well against this Buccaneers defense, whereas Tony Pollard just brings something to the game that Zeke doesn't. And I feel it's going to be similar to last year where Pollard is going to outproduce Zeke strictly because of his playmaking ability in the passing game and, and the reliability there to get the ball in his hands. And, you know, you said unbiased, so I'm going to throw some shade at at the team that I cover. If Devin White happens to have to cover Tony Pollard on a wheel route, it's probably not going to end well for the Buccaneers defense, and it's probably going to end up in the end zone for the Dallas Cowboys. And I I would see Pollard being that guy more so than Zeke. Well, luckily, Kellen Moore listens to this podcast religiously, so I'm sure he's taking (laughs) notes right this minute. Um. 
So final question for you, uh, given everything we've said about these two teams, um, what's your best guess for who wins on Sunday night and what's the final score look like? Uh, I am going to take the Buccaneers and leading up to last year's game, I was pumping the tires of Antonio Brown. I felt this was going to be an Antonio Brown game and sure enough, it, it was. And you take a look at almost 320 yards and four was it four touchdowns that are are essentially vacated from Mm -hmm. last year right you had antonio brown with with over 120 receiving yards getting into the end zone once gronk had two touchdowns godwin had like 90 and a touchdown we don't know chris godwin's full status for this weekend i'm going into this one this is a julio game i i'll you know this this has all the makings of of a julio type game Mike Evans is going to draw some attention. He's going to get some receptions. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for Julio to have a big, big night. And I think ultimately, as much of a defensive battle as it's going to be, there are going to be opportunities for the offense. We're probably going to see a defensive score, maybe two, maybe one on each side. But I'm taking the Buccaneers to win this one 27-21. Interesting. Interesting. I, I sort of somewhat tongue in cheek, but also like I, I do believe that there's I do believe that there's a possibility. I said that uh, the final score on a, on a podcast, um, a BTB roundtable that I was on last night, I said the final score is going to be nine to six. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I think it's important that we remember this is the first game of preseason for all intents and purposes. So I think there's going to be a lot of kinks to, to, to work out for, for basically everybody on the field, except for Tom Brady. Uh, Dan, do you have a, do you have any feelings about this game? I, final score? I do. I, and my mind is too, is, is, is this going to be a, a lower scoring game? Not as much as you. Um, I'm, I'm actually impressed that you think that Maher could do all the scoring, scoring for the cow, or maybe he doesn't. That was a miss extra point. Dude. Oh man. Gee, <laughs> wouldn't that just be, no, actually, so I, I think it's going to be very. I think it's going to be similar to last year, but just downgraded by a touchdown. I'm a, I'm taking the Bucks twenty four twenty two. I think there will be. I think the Cowboys will. So I think Dak will get sacked six six times. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm not gonna backtrack now. This is where I've planted my flag. They got problems. I think, but despite those six sacks, I think the Cowboys will have moments where they'll look good. They'll do some little bubble screen, little short stuff to kind of get things going and not completely just rely on on the protection but i do think it's going to be too much for them to overcome and i think the i mean the bucks are still tom brady still tom brady and another thing too we didn't talk about is i'm also kind of curious how they're going to work with the with cameron brayton k Otten, and then like the tight ends i think you know brady obviously has a huge history with with making those guys just you know really productive in the offense too so there's there's some guys too that might sneak in and, and be a mm-hmm. an x-factor so uh, but in the end, I, I think it's the Cowboys are are just not ready yet. It'd be nice that this is their last chance, uh, I, I presume, to to beat Tom Brady. Take you know they've never done that before. I don't think it happens. I would love to see it, but I I just don't think. I think there's still too many issues with 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 the offensive line, and I think that it's going to just be just enough to to cause them problems. But it's going to be close, and we're going to have our chances, and we're going to talk about. Another one like last year. Well, those plays, the push off by Godwin, Godwin, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, if they would have just called that or something, I think it'd be like a really close type thing where the Cowboys had it, but then just, you know, couldn't um, close the deal. All right. Well, listen, uh, James, thanks for so much for coming on with us, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with, uh, with our class here today. Um, before you head out, 
tell all these apt pupils where they can find your fine work, especially in the wake of uh, the game next week. Yeah, you can find uh, my written work over at BucksNation.com. Of course, that's part of, of SB Nation. Uh, Locked on Bucks podcast five days a week, uh, all year long. So even, even in the offseason, we're still crunching out uh, episodes five days a week. And, of course, um, if, if the Cowboys win, you all can you know, send me hilarious gifts on Twitter at JYarko underscore Bucks. All right. Oh, oh, and we will. Yeah. <laughs> and we expect no, we expect no less from you if it goes the other way. James, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate uh, it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Man, that was really great. I, I, I love James, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't even expecting to get so much knowledge. Class, I hope you all took lots and lots of notes uh, in anticipation of Sunday's first quiz of the season what did you think professor phantom yeah you know i'm definitely uh one thing that i I guess you know one thing that i learned from this is that the bucks themselves are going to have some their own concerns in the trenches so you know it won't be just uh all one side so i guess i'm really gonna enjoy i'm curious to see how the cowboys attack uh you know it's this is one of those words that we really love to have randy gregory because you know if he can really come after on on the on the right side and I'm, I'm hoping that the cowboys i'm really hoping that we see a lot of micah parsons just like you know what let's just the, let's the jig is out let we this guy belongs edge rusher let's just set, let him loose so it'd be great if uh you know if uh, micah parsons had a huge game and then brady got his first loss with the cowboys you know and as the new evolution of the, the new era of the defense you know kind of emerges but definitely great stuff um a lot of stuff a lot of stuff james had for us i uh um it was really great to listen to, and I, I I feel like I feel a little better about it, even though he I mean he was kind of setting us straight. I mean there there's this is definitely uh, there's a lot of talent on this Bucks team, and it's it's uh, something that's going to be a problem you know on, on Sunday night. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I hope so. I I, I do think that one of the things that one of the things I, we mentioned when we were talking to to James I think uh, off air is that. You know, we're essentially starting preseason right now. The, the, the way the new collective bargaining agreement works, and you and I have talked about this before. We're right. basically starting preseason now. This is the first time that these that these guys will play. They're not their bodies are not ready to play sixty minutes. They haven't played side by side. Their timing is still going to be off. So, um, I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. Right. I don't. Th- it could be a close game. It could be an exciting game because of its closeness, but it, it's going to be. There's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be some sloppy stuff. If you remember last year, that the, the the goat of that game was someone who actually went on to have a really really good year, and that was Anthony Brown. And he was probably not deserving of being the goat of the game, but he basically you know he was he was considered that because he was the closest player uh, to um, Antonio Brown when Antonio Brown caught a long touchdown pass that you know right, right. Got, the, got the Bucks in, in front. Um, but that happened because the safety made the, made the wrong call. And then those kinds of things are going to happen because it's the first preseason game essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that, that the game's going to be decided by, by someone not being ready. Right now for sure. And I, I do think that it is going to happen like that. I feel like whether it's, you know, one, a questionable coaching decision or like if they, you remember last year too? They 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 stuck um, Zerline out there for just a ridiculously long field. Like I, I feel like we're going to see that again. 
you know, they're going to give Maher a chance to kick a, a 70 plus yarder or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, and we're going to have just like some weird stuff happen, you know, and the Cowboys were really lucky on the turnovers. Um, you know, I, don't, I can't remember. I feel like there was like four of them, you know, I know, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's no way they can sustain that level of turnovers all year, which uh, actually, you know, they were pretty darn close, but I don't, so I don't expect that them to be so fortunate this time around. What I'm really curious about is can they, can they contain Brady? Can they win in the trenches? Or is, is our is Kellen Moore going to be creative enough to get this offense uh, to to move down the field and, and can we you know put enough points on it? So I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous. I, Sunday Sunday night's going to be. I'm just going to be just completely. Um, I don't know. My anxiety is going to be pretty high because it's gonna it's going to be fun. I hope and it's definitely um, you know it's first game of the year and it's it's always just. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not going to be anxious on Sunday. Um, and that's because uh, week one in the NFL gives more false positives than any other week of the, of the season, right? There are more times when some team stomps another team. And then it turns out that the team that got stomped is a far better team over the course of the season. Like, so whatever happens Sunday, I mean, obviously I hope the Cowboys win because it's important to get a win. Um, you know, cause you don't want to start, uh, by going 0-4 in the preseason. Um, but if they, if, they, if they look terrible, I'm not going to sweat it because I don't know that that will be indicative of where these teams are, which is one of the reasons why I always like to start the season off against an AFC team. Hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately, a loss to the Bucs in, in a game in which neither team is actually ready to play um, is, is – fundamentally meaningless in terms of the scope of the season, except when it comes to playoff seeding. And if, if they, right. if they are in any kind of battle with the, with the, with Tampa Bay, which is not, you know, unlikely right. or playoff positioning, a, a loss is really going to hurt them. Yeah. No, Rabs. I mean, I mean, you are a seasoned vet at this whole football you know, schedule thing. You know, I mean, you, you, I agree with you completely, but I'm still, I'm still a young kid, you know, (laughs) barely drinking age. So here I am going in with my excitement level and stuff. So, but I totally agree. It's not going to, it doesn't really mean anything um, in the sense of like, you know, it's early. There's definitely no reason to overreact. Even when, if Dak does get sacked six six times, you know, I'm not going to be jumping on Twitter and saying, what what did I tell you guys? And I mean, I promise, I, I hope not. And I okay, hope, but, but 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 what if Tyler Smith struggles? I think you might you might make that you oh, might mention that on Twitter. Oh, it's not going to go unmentioned, but I'm not going to be you. You know, I'm going to be as disappointed as the next guy. I mean, maybe I have expecting it a little bit more than the next guy, but you know, I, I, I'm it's, it hurts me just as much as you. <laughs> I mean, right? We 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 need Tyler Smith to be a good player. Um, for, for the Cowboys to be successful for sure. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm coming around to him. I, I just think that he's just not ready. And I just think that that's a lot to ask to throw him out there right out of the gate. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, with uh, Foles coming at you with different, different looks all the time. And it's like, you know, I, I mean, what's the, what do you, what do you set the over under for, for Ty, Tyler Smith holding penalties? I mean, if I set it at two and a half, what would you take? Would you take the under? I take the under, but if I think if you said it at one and a half, that would be a tough. That would be a tough one. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, yeah. So I mean, we we yeah. It's that's uh, I think that's going to be a problem. And it's not just him too. I think it's 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 and it's not just Connor McGovern too. It's also too with 
with Biotis, and I, not that he's not good, but I, I think just he he needs bigger people there. I think he needs Tyler Smith there next to him mm-hmm, to, to, mm-hmm. for him to be, you know, good as well. So I I just I worry about the Cowboys offensive line, but the Cowboys, the, they don't worry about it. The coaching staff, they don't worry. The front office, they're not worried about it. So why should I? Why should I be worried about? It? But you just you should take, take a deep breath and just relax. Everything's gonna be fine. They're just gonna completely dominate Vita Vey. I mean, Vita Vey's not that big. Come on, really? I mean, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm nervous for nothing. But anything else that you have to say on this? Uh... Uh, no, only that um, the one thing that's constant. That we that we can always know about the NFL is that we don't know, and and the it, it, the story is going to unravel uh, or unwind rather, not unravel. It's going to unwind. Stop unravel. It'll 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 un it'll unwind in the way it does, and and we should just try to enjoy it because it is a fun story. Right. But um, it's it, we are always here's the thing, we are always wrong about this team, and and I don't think we cowboy fans are the only fans. For whom that's the case, we're always right. wrong about this team. Every well, year we're, we're 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 moaning about how bad something's going to be, and it turns out to be great. And we're we're we're, we're you know pumping out our chest because they're going to be really good at something, and it and it just falls flat. The only we'll only know once it happens, and so um, I'm excited to see how it unfolds. No, you're absolutely right. I, I don't know why it's something that that I have trouble learning. That you know you just. We don't know, and we're going to be wrong. We're always going to be wrong, no matter what we say. That's, that's pretty the, much. I mean, like, when's the last time we were really right? I don't know. I don't remember. I think that I think I was right one time, but I was. I think I'm probably mistaken. So, um, so never. I'm just. I, I think I've been wrong every year since about 2012. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and so I, at some point I just realized, you know what? That's you. That's on you, my friend. Yeah, maybe just, that's what I'm doing with all this uh, kind of like I'm setting myself like expectations lower. Because I'm hoping to be wrong, because I know I'm going to be wrong. So then, look at here. Look, you know. I hope I can be yeah, so you're, wrong. You're there. trying to game. You're trying to game the system. Pro Bowl Tyler Smith, rookie year. So, all right, that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to see do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any uh, matchups you're worried about, or what is your favorite uh, remix duet uh, song, just hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-E-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend with the Cowboys victory. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Last dismissed.